Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. I believe that this is a word for you today, that it's actually time to prepare to move. Um, and I think that this is this is two things. One, I, th- I hope this is an encouraging message for you, um, and hopefully will give you some perspective as to where you are in life, um, and, and give you some insight on, on how to prepare but also for us as a church collectively, I really feel like this is a word, not just um, not just to, to like encourage us, but to, really to be like, okay, it's it's time to start doing something. Because if you've been here for more than um, you know more than five five minutes, really, you've probably heard us talk about the fact that we have a vision to see ten thousand people impacted by the love of Jesus. And to be honest, that's a big like that's quite a big. Vision, that's a, you know, it's a big thing to say and we can fit about 150 to 160 people in here on us, in this building, on us for a service. Um, and so you do the math, um, which I used to be good at, but now like I'm like brain dead when it comes to math, to be honest. Um and like that's a lot of services that we need to do. So we have this vision to see 10,000 people impacted, but we also have a vision to get a bigger building, to have more space, to like have space for those people. Uh, if 10,000 people came to church on a Sunday, we'd need a like a massive space for our kids' ministries. We'd probably need like a year one kids' ministry and a year two, like, you know, like kids' ministry and kids' pastors for every age group. Um, and so we, we are believing for big things. We have a big vision. Um, and... I just, I really feel um, for us today as a church that it is time to prepare to move. And we love the moving. We love the when the Holy Spirit falls. We love the prophetic word. We love when the word is fulfilled. We love the miracle taking place. We love the moments where, where, where something happens. But I really feel for us in this season, God wants to remind us of the importance of preparation. Um, and I want to, I want to, read through um, the, the calling of Gideon um, from the book of Judges, chapter 6. And I, I really think that as we walk through this chapter, um, there's going to be some stuff that you'll, you'll, you'll pick out that you'll see that will be really helpful for you in this season. Um, and just to give you, I guess, a bit of a background to what's happening at this point in time, um, Israel is like a self-governed nation. Um, so Israel being the descendants from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob changed his name to Israel, and then he had kids with two wives. So there you go, Bible freaking you out there. Um, and those twelve kids became um, the twelve. Became the or actually had thirteen, but one was a girl, and they were real discriminatory. No, that came out way worse than I meant. Um, twelve sons, and they became the twelve tribes. And then one one of the tribes became two half tribes, and he's a part of one of the half tribes. Um, so there you go. There's some like biblical um, analysis for you. Um, and basically, this is the story of Israel: is they follow God, things go well, and then they get arrogant, and then they stop following God, and things suck. And then someone comes along and says, hey, guys, we should probably follow God again. And they follow God and things go well. And then someone gets arrogant or they get arrogant or they stop following God. And it's kind of just a cycle of following God and things working out for the people and leaving God behind, not caring, worshiping other gods, going with whatever else was happening in society and and things being really hard. And I wanted to tell you that because 
when we read the opening verse of uh, Judges chapter 6, it gives us a really clear insight into what is happening for the people of Israel in this moment. It says this, in uh, check this out as it comes up on the screen. In verse 1, it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hand of the, Mid- of the Midianites. So that's where we are. We're in one of these seasons. Things are hard. Things are um, rough terrain for them. It goes on and describes what it's like living for them. In the next verses, it says, Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Like, you know that things are bad when you've, like, literally run to the hills. We are like, okay, I've got no other options. I'm going to go, like, hide in the hills. Um, and then it says, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. I couldn't say that in the first service or when I was practicing or now. Is it locusts? It sounds, oh, it just feels weird. Everyone say locusts. Yeah, see, there's like a long S. It was like, well, is there a snake in the room or something? (laughs) It was impossible to count them or their camels. I said something stupid about camels in the first service. I'm not going to do that again. And they just fell real flat, so I'm not going to do that again. See, that was funnier than what I said in the first service about the camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. So this is the situation that we find them in. They have had a bad run at things. Israel has been destroyed. Uh, The the Midianites have come in, taken over their land. They've killed all the animals um, and they've taken all their food. Every time they try to plant something, everything's like the land is desolate and they're hiding in the mountains. And so we are like, okay, I get it. Israel, you're in a bad place. And check this out. This this is verse 6. It says this. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. I think there's something so powerful that in this that the the story of Gideon, which is a story of someone who, who is a biblical hero who does incredible things. He, the end of the story is a pretty good one. You could go and read it if you like. Um, the story of this hero Gideon begins not with Gideon crying out to God. It doesn't begin with the leader crying out to God. It doesn't begin with the pastor crying out to God. It doesn't begin with um, somebody, you know, rising up on their own and going, hey, I'm going to take everyone back. But it begins with the whole nation of Israel crying out to God. And I think there's something powerful in this, in the like collective cry of a group of people going, do you know what, God, our, our lives, we're so desperately need you to come and move. Like we literally have nothing if it's not for you, God. We, li- we, we need you so badly. We need you so badly to come and move. And for us as a church, I, I really feel like this is important for us to remember because I, I don't know about you, but I look at that 10,000 number and go, this is impossible if not with God. This is an, an impossible dream um, if, if we're just doing it in our own strength. This is actually, this is like a, we desperately need God to lead us into this. 
And so I just wanted to encourage you on a couple of things. One is when you come to church on a Sunday morning, come prepared to join in in the collective cry. Don't come to church and just be like, oh, I wonder what I could get out of it. Or I wonder if they'll play my favorite song today or anything like that. But actually come and go, do you know what? When, when something happens, when that moment happens, when, when everybody's singing, I'm not going to just sit there with my hands in my pockets, but I'm going to engage. I'm going to join in. I'm going to be a part of that collective cry. The second thing is you could register for conference. That would be an incredible way to go, do you know what, I'm going to join in in the collective cry for us as a church. You know, this is not um, a conference so that we can hire flashy lights or, you know, anything like that. It's not about that. It's about us coming together and saying, God, we desperately, desperately need you. God, we desperately want to see you move. God, we desperately want you to do something incredible in our town and in our city. And we're coming together. We're putting aside this time to say, God, would you, would you move? And so I think that that would be an incredible thing. The third thing that you could do is you could come along to the Sunday night prayer services. We got one happening at 5 p.m. tonight, and that would be an amazing way for you to go, do you know what, I'm going to join with the collective cry of this church. I'm going to join in and go, do you know what, God, we desperately need you. God, we desperately need you to move. Um, and I think that if we, if we could learn from this and go, okay, it wasn't, they weren't waiting for Pastor Glenn or Pastor Debbie to get up and, and, and desperately cry out to God. They weren't relying on the intercessors. They weren't relying on the prophet. They weren't relying on the leaders or the life group leaders. It was the whole nation that, that joined in on this. And, and so I really, I really feel like this is an important thing for us to take away, is to, to join in on that collective cry. And it says this in verse 7. This is why it's important. It says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. So God moves. He, he responded. Not, and it, it, like it looks like he responded straight away. God just like responds to the, the nation crying out. And then the prophet comes and he spends, um, he, he, the, the next few verses is the prophet telling, reminding the people of how God led them out of Egypt, how God did all these amazing things. And if you'll find yourself stuck in a situation um, in life and you're like, man, I don't know how to move forward from here. I, I just feel stuck. I feel like I, I can't get into the next season. One of the most incredible things you can do is begin to remind yourself of the things that God has done. I remember Chris Vallotton telling the story of when he was um, he was sick um, and and, um, and and like just really tormented. Not just like he didn't just have mental illness, but he was like like tormented by demons and like literally lived on the couch for like six months. That one day God said to him, um, "I want you to start writing down the miracles that you saw," and it was. It took him like an hour or two hours to figure out the first miracle. But once he, 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 had, um, he started writing them down and remembering them, they came easier and easier and easier. And that was the turning point for him. It was when he remembered the things that God had done. And so God, so God shows up. No, Siri. Hey, Siri. No, it's just my one that time, damn. So God shows up and begins to remind them of the things he's done. And then it says this in verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
And then from there on, it says, uh, part, he, got, he replies, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? And he goes through and reminds and talks about the, the things that, how God brought them out of Egypt and stuff. And then in verse 14, says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. Remember that, the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, mighty warrior. No, uh, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alone. I was like, was that still Surrey? (laughs) So the end of the story, spoiler alert, I'm so sorry. But, you know, the end of the story is that Gideon defeats the army. He, he leads out um, the this, this small army of people and they have this kind of silly thing that they decide to do because God said so. And sometimes silly ideas are just silly ideas and sometimes silly ideas are God ideas. Um, and it's, it's work trying to figure out which one's which. Um, <laughs> But they do this thing, and, and it's a great story of God coming through, of God being faithful. Um, and so that happens, and then Gideon ends up, as per the name of the book, he ends up a judge over Israel, and, and, and he has an incredible life. He, he, he has an incredible story, and thousands of years later, people are preaching about the faith of this guy who was the weakest, um, who was the, the lamest person out there hiding away. And so the first thing we see is God shows up in his life and he, give, and he begins to give him a new identity and fresh vision. And I believe for many of those people that responded today that that was a new identity, fresh vision moment for you. But if you're here this morning and you, you don't have a relationship with God, or if you're here this morning and you feel like your relationship with God is like, it's been seven years and the land is dry and desolate and I'm just hiding out waiting for something to happen. If that's how you feel, I also believe God wants to give you a new identity and fresh vision today. And so God first comes and he, and he, and he highlights this in Gideon's life. He, he contrasts him because he finds him hiding in a wine press. So he's, he's hiding out so that nobody sees him. Uh, the Bible says in verse 11 that he's, um, he's threshing the wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he's literally hiding so that nobody sees him and God shows up and calls him a mighty warrior. He calls him, uh, other translations say, you mighty man of valor. And so God shows up and doesn't just tell him, you know, oh man, this is your surrounding. This is how it looks for you right now. But he shows up and says, man, there's something incredible on your life and I'm going to call you as I see you, not as you look. And I think it's there's something really powerful in this moment when the angel says, go in the strength that you have. And if I can get the worship team up. Um, if I was doing this one-on-one meeting, if you know someone said, hey Mitch, can, I, can we have a conversation? Let's go out for coffee and chat like one of the teenagers, and then they said, hey, so um, to be honest, I got some problems. I'm in like this, I'm in a tribe, and it's like not even a real tribe, it's a half tribe. Um, and so like, I'm, it's already kind of lame. 
And then, like, like I'm in the worst family. Like, my family situation sucks. Like, everything is hard at home, and, you know, we're, we're the weak family. So, like, we, we're not even getting any food. We, we don't really have anything going on. And, and then I'm the weakest in my family. So, my tribe sucks. My nation's been destroyed. My family sucks, and I'm, like, the worst of them all. I wouldn't encourage them by saying, well, hey, go on the strength that you have and do something mighty for the Lord. I'd probably say, well, hey, do you know what? It's so good because when you're weak, God is strong. So have comfort in that. In your weakness, God is strong. And I'd probably, you know, go along this thing and be like, hey, it's amazing that you're so weak because it means that God can be so strong. That's how I would write this story. But the angel saw something in Gideon that led him to say, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. So he, he shows up. The angel comes and sits under a tree, which I, like, that sounds nice. I'm like looking forward to spring when you can like read under a tree. Is anyone else? Yeah. He shows up and Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. He's, he, he's working on this thing. And it kind of doesn't make sense. So threshing wheat, basically what it is, because we don't do this anymore, like unless, you know, we basically have machines that could do this stuff for us. But you take the wheat plant. Who knew that wheat was a plant? You probably did. I also did. It just felt fun to say. Because we don't really care about where our food comes from. Take the wheat plant. And um, also, it's fun to say wheat. <laughs> I just wanted to say it a few more times. You take the wheat plant and you put it on the ground, usually in a big area. And you'd, what you'd do is you put all, the, all your wheat out that you've harvested and you'd send animals to go stomp on it. And they would break up all of the um, parts of the, the wheat that you didn't want. And then you could get the kernels and you could take them out and then you could go and grind, grind it down to make flour, um, which is basically all they ate then was flour. So it's quite an important thing to do, really. Um, and so, well, I don't know why I thought that was funny. It wasn't funny, was it? So, so Gideon is threshing wheat. He's doing this process. He doesn't have animals because they're all dead. So he, he's probably either got like a stick or something or he's just got his hand. He's just banging against the ground of this wine press. And he's in a wine press. He's in he's in this barrel, um, and basically what is happening is the lights did something. What did you do, Ashton? He's in a wine. I'm feeling silly now. He's in a wine press. Can we chill it out a bit? Let's just do, go just keys. I might be more serious if it's just keyboard. He's in a wine press, and so a wine press is a like a barrel. And basically what you do, this is disgusting really, is you put grapes in it and then you take off your shoes and oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, I see what you're trying to do there. You take off your shoes and you just on the grapes and just start squishing it in and like walking around and squashing down all these grapes that you put in there. And I, I, I think that this is the reason that they began fe um, fermenting 
wine um, and making it alcoholic because otherwise it's just disgusting toe juice. Um, there's like all your toe jam and grapes. I don't know about you, but I never want to have sparkling grape juice again in my life. Obviously, we don't do it like that anymore, hopefully. It's probably a machine with feet that does it now. So he's got a wine press. I'll get back to what I'm trying to... I'm going somewhere. He's got a wine press. And it would be so easy for him to just go, do you know what? I've just got this little space in life. I've just got this, this little wee barrel in life that's perfectly situated for me to just start making wine. To go, do you know what? I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm going to not worry about what's happening in the nation around me. I'm not going to worry about the other people. I'm just going to make some wine and sit in my barrel and drink wine. I'm just going to inebriate myself and forget about my problems. But instead of making wine, Gideon begins to prepare wheat. See, wheat's not made for a barrel. Wheat's made for a field. I did a little bit of research to make it sure it was accurate. And I can't figure out where he's getting the wheat from. He might have some secret supplier. I don't know. But everything's destroyed. There's no, nothing's growing anymore. And it's been seven years. He definitely doesn't have like a secret stash of wheat lying around. So I'm imagining that he's got pot plants or something in there and he's just growing little wee wheat plants. I just wanted to say it one more time. But wheat's not made to grow in small places. It's meant to be reproduced. It's meant to grow in a field. It's meant to grow in somewhere that's big. It's meant to be made for, it's made for a big environment. And I think the angel of the Lord shows up and he sees Gideon stuck in this small place working on something big. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.